Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me on the podcast today is Josh Capo, and joining shortly will be Matt Matera as well. To this is going to be fun, Josh. We are reacting as if the Bucks have selected any number of first round picks. I'm going to go prospect by prospect. We're going to go through a bunch of names, and I'm going to say the name as the pick of the Bucks, and then you and Matt are going to give me your like 30 second reactions, including whether you love it, you hate it. Or you can live with it out of these picks. So I hope you're ready. I'm excited for it. (laughs) I hope you're ready for some very tough, hard hitting analysis. And I hope Bucks fans are ready to hear. Well, I don't want, we don't want to give away either too much about like what our reactions will be actually during the draft because we don't want to spoil it for people. Um, But some of these picks, we're going to, some of them might be negative. We'll see. Uh, This is going to be interesting to see what y'all think. If it's anything like the uh, the Twitter responses you got, I think I'm going to have some faces. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say some of my expressions are probably going to go viral at some point during this draft, including last year when the Rams selected Tutu Atwell in the <laughs> second round, who who I found in my pocket later. That's how small he was. I mean, it was just a laughable pick, and that he didn't even really play this past year, but. I got off to our show and after reacting like for like three minutes, probably about it, just could not wrap my, could not believe he was a second round pick. And I, Trevor texted me that night, just like while I was driving home, it was, you know, it's late. And he had been on his draft show. He was at the draft network at the time. And he just texted me like seeing how the show went. And then he was just like, dude, Tutu Atwell. (laughs) (laughs) So I went and he showed me the clip from their show and we were both flipping out, losing it, reacting in the same way at the same time on different shows because it was just it was a wild pick to us. But we'll see. All the best to Tutu. Maybe he turns out good. You know, that was it's a fun time though. The draft show is always going to be a fun time. We're excited for that. Um it's going to be coming up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're going to be live all three nights of the draft. Can't wait for it. Uh, the whole PR team is good. You're going to be there in person, Josh. You're heading to Tampa. That's exciting I, times. I am. Yeah, we actually weren't telling any family or friends. So if they're watching right now. Oh shoot. <laughs> I just screwed that up live. I obviously did not know that. It's not yeah, like no, that. it's fine. <laughs> well, hopefully so, they're not Bucks fans. I'll be making some calls later tonight. <laughs> but dude, but you didn't point, tell me you weren't telling anybody. <laughs> it's it's not a problem. Um, but to your point, what I think is really fun is you know draft season is a full season of of the NFL calendar at this point. And so many people put in so many hours and so much discussion into all of these players and all of these prospects. And then you get to the actual draft weekend. And then when something happens, that's completely out of left field, which inevitably happens every single year, those reactions are priceless. You talked about a couple with you and Trevor. And I just remember last year when uh, Houston took Davis Mills, Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was Mike Renner from, from PFF. It was one of the like best quotes I had heard. You know, oh, they just lit that pick on fire. <laughs> hey, listen, that's what this stuff is for. It's not for holding back. It's for reacting and having fun with it. Like, absolutely. Obviously, we wish the best for the players. It goes without saying it should. And and obviously, we should conduct ourselves the way. But we got to react to. So the draft show is going to be fun. You're going to see a lot of our live reactions. We usually rip on teams other than the Bucks. We, I mean, we do. If the Bucks make a bad pick, I've only been here a couple of years, but I haven't really 
hated any of their picks. We Scott and I were pretty negative on the Keyshawn Vaughn pick. I remember a couple years yep. ago, that was one we got we got into pretty good. Um, didn't like that pick at all. But they haven't really had any picks that we've really strongly disagreed with. Last year was such a tough draft because there was just no place for anybody to make the team on the roster, so it was hard to analyze. So this draft it's going to be very interesting. There's going to be definitely a lot to uh, a lot to. Um, to break down, uh, especially with how weird the draft is supposed to be. So we're going to get into all that, but today we're going to go kind of through different first round picks and I'm going to throw names out there for these guys. And they're going to kind of react to those names with whether they like it or not for the box. So I'm excited to get that underway. Matt should be joining us here very shortly. Uh, But I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that uh, today's show is all the Peter report podcasts are brought to you by our friends at Celsius. And I've got the Arctic vibe. It came today. And I'm very excited. I had my first sip right before, just in case I didn't like it. I didn't want to react negatively on the show. I like it. So crisis averted. This is sparkling frozen berry edition. So I thought I would like it. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of. That sounds like a flavor I'd be a fan of. The Arctic vibe. Very good. No sugar. It gives you the energy you need without the crash. And as you can see here, there's a bunch of different flavors. Celsius is producing even more new ones now. I think there's a strawberry lemonade one that just dropped, I believe. My wife said there's a case of that in there as well. So I got to check that out after the show. But uh, excited for all the new flavors that Celsius is coming out with. They dropped the orange pomegranate not that long ago. There's some other new ones as well, watermelon berry and some others. So make sure you're checking those out. You can go to Celsius.com, look at all the different flavors. You can also click the banner ads at pewterreport.com. And you can use the Amazon subscribe and save option to get Celsius coming to you with regularity. I've got a probably like, I don't even know. I don't know how many DMs or or messages or tweets or text, whatever, over the last couple of days about people saying, you guys hooked this me on Celsius and, and I love it and all this kind of stuff. So it's great stuff. There's yeah. also a cola flavor if you're a big cola drinker. Um, PR sure got me onto uh, Celsius before I, I, I joined the team. And uh, right. Peach Vibe continues to be just my number one pick. Yeah, Absolutely. Peach Vibe's great. Um, and it was yeah. really cool because I live up in Atlanta, the Atlanta area. And um, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, we were shopping and we literally go into the, the supermarket and there's an entire pallet of Celsius, not 10 feet from the door. So they're, they're branching out everywhere. It's yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's so great that they're easy to find at this point, a lot mm-hmm. easier than, than back when they first started sponsoring the podcast. Um, and with all the flavors, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It's great stuff. And it's the energy drink people want right now. There's no question about it. So make sure you all check it out if you haven't already. Let's talk about Tom Brady's contract. Uh, the details came out about it today, Josh. And I know you're a contract expert. Any thoughts? Anything surprising? It seemed pretty much what we would have expected from his contract restructure. Yeah, it wasn't a, a traditional restructure. They actually rewrote the contract to a certain extent. Now, when rewriting the contract, any guaranteed money that was already promised to him has to stay on the books. But um, it, they did change it around a little bit. They brought his base salary down to the vet minimum for his service time, which at this point I think is a billion years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they gave him a roster bonus that can be prorated on top of some of the um, prorated money that he already is, right. has been paid but still needs to be accounted for. Um, effectively, they, they were able to cut off uh, $6.7 million off his cap, cap number. So he was around 20.3 before, and now he's down to 13.8, give or take. Um, and so that's going to give them some wiggle room to do a few more things that I know us at Peter Report we expect to happen mm-hmm. um, over the, the coming days or weeks um, in terms of potentially Nandamakan Sue coming back. 
potentially Rob Gronkowski if he decides right. not to retire as well. Um, and it'll also give them a little extra room for the upcoming draft class to get them under contract as well. Right. And those things are all key, but let's just touch real quickly. We didn't expect Brady to sign an extension. There's a very good chance he retires after this year. He said for age 45 before. He recently said, I know I don't have much left. He actually retired. Those are all pretty good indicators that like this is a guy that's going to very seriously think about retiring after this year. If he retires or if he if he retires or if he signs an extension with the Bucs, that dead cap hit that's kind of sitting there, the void years and all that situation, doesn't that get lessened or it's easier to manage or something like that if that's the case if he if he yeah, if, not if signing he retires, another team? Yeah, if he retires or if he signs with another team, they have an opportunity. Right now his dead cap number next year would be just a hair over $35 million. Um, if he retires or if he decides to sign with another team, the Bucks can um, designate the uh, – I'm sorry, if he retires, they can designate the retirement uh, after June 1st, which means that the um, the dead cap for 2023 would be about $10.8 million. And then the remaining portion of that $35 million, uh, it's a little over $24 million, would mm-hmm. then be pushed down to 2024. So obviously right. it would give them a lot more working room for next year. Um, 24 would still be a decent sized hit, but mm-hmm. it's not the full 35 in either one of those years. Right. Um, the gap is going to be yeah, up, up 2024 exactly. even. It's going to. Yeah. Now there is a world, depending on how they, they worded the contract, there is a world where if Brady decides to re-up next year with the Bucks before the start of the new league year, they could actually take that dead money and make it a part of the new contract and potentially continue to push it down the road a little bit more. Um, that, again, is dependent on how they worded the contract. A lot of times that can happen with contracts in the NFL, um, but we actually found out late um, this past offseason, or the current offseason we're in, where that might have been a possibility with Nandama Kinsu or mm-hmm. with um, Rob Gronkowski, that no matter when they signed the contract, before the league year started or after the league year started, their dead cap hits from their previous contracts were going to hit the Bucks payroll no matter what. So a lot of it comes down to the wording. Unfortunately, I haven't seen the contract. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say at this point. Right. Interesting. Um, some good comments I want to get to here in a second. Last thing, just though, just before we jump to these questions and comments, Gronkowski and Sue. There's about how much cleared from this again? Remind me. Um, uh, in draft about six point seven million. Okay. So in to cl- to sign Sue and Gronk, assuming they use void years for it you don't really need that much space this you don't really need let's say you both sign eight million dollar contracts let's just right. for example you don't really need 16 million this year to be no, able to get that done. No, no. they can do similar things with void years they can push out the void years up to four void years mm-hmm. to really lessen that cap number um both of them i want to say their cap numbers last year um on similar deals um were was around six and a half million dollars a so, piece or was that total What's that? I can't remember. Uh, that was six between total the two between the two. Well, that's what I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. So the, they're good if they want to do that. Let's put it Absolutely. that way. Yep. Also important for people to remember the rookie contracts don't actually take up very much cap space, especially because the lower you get down, they don't count toward the top 51 contracts, the lower you get down in the draft. So you're really usually only talking about the first handful of picks and you know, we'll see how many picks the bucks even make and what they end up doing in the draft, but pretty easy to get those contracts. Under, right you don't and right money. now during the off season, it's only the top fifty-one cap right. numbers that count against the cap. So with each one of these draft picks that come in, they would either replace if their contract was higher than one of the bottom guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. It replaces that contract, 
And those guys are taking up already around $700,000 or a little bit more. So right. whatever that cap number is for the rookie, you can take 700 grand off of it. And that's really what it's changing the cap by. So it's, mm. it's really, except for your first and second rounder, it, it's almost negligible. And then yeah. even with the first and second rounder, it, it amounts to just a couple million. Right, exactly. Good stuff. Let's see, uh, good thoughts on all of that. Somebody wanted to know what area of Atlanta uh, that you're in. Uh, Woodstock, Atlanta, here we got. So north it's of Corey Atlanta, Draper, I believe, the player. North of Atlanta on the east side, so in Gwinnett County. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know Atlanta that well, so. <laughs> um, so, yes, it seems like the Brady stuff, uh, supply and demand says, why would Brady leave us in cap hell with the guys having three-year extensions? I don't really think it is that way, right? I mean, this is the only way – this is the best way to get it done for both sides, really, to make it work so they can get everybody on the roster and have their best chance of winning this year. Yeah, I mean, you have to consider he's an elite quarterback, and he's going to come with an elite quarterback's price tag. How you account for that – it's a, if, if he doesn't, if that dead cap hit doesn't hit us after he leaves, that means it's got to be taken up right now. So the question you have to ask yourself, if you want Tom Brady on your roster, is do you want to lower her, his cap number right now to get him as much talent around him while he's here to give him and the team the best chance to win now? Or do you want all of that cap taking up this year or all of that salary taking up this year's cap and not give him as much talent? So the Bucks are choosing to give him as much talent because he presents the best opportunity to win. And I, I agree with that, that, um, uh, that, that's the word I'm looking for, that theory. Thank you. Right, yeah. yep, for sure. Uh, Vortex says that Apple money is going to be crazy. Some uh, similar thoughts on DirecTV losing Sunday ticket after the season. Next couple salary caps going to start growing big. No question about this, no question. And this is why I know myself, JC at least, and I think, I mean, you and Scott agree, but also don't think the cap's fake. We don't really think it's fake. We just say it because it's funny and it gets y'all to react. But it still, like, this is why we say, like, don't stress so much about the cap and pushing a couple void years and some dead cap. Down. Like, all that stuff is certainly you can't continue it as a practice forever without getting into trouble. But the Bucks are nowhere close to being in that type of situation. And we are about to see the cap grow probably at a greater rate than we've ever seen before because of these new TV deals and the money that's coming in just being so ridiculously significant right now. Um, so this is, it's going to be a different landscape than what fans are used to. Like it's wouldn't be surprising to see this cap at 250 mil here very soon. And two years, two years, exactly. Right. Like that's a legitimate. <laughs> and it's going to take a little bit for player contracts to catch up. I think it'll, it'll take, you know, there'll be a year or two probably where there's a little bit lull, or maybe not. I mean, agents are pretty on it, but I do think there's going to be some gap there. And so I think you'll have, especially bottom tier contracts. I think that's where it'll really affect yeah. the bottom of the roster. The top guys are still going to get paid, paid. Um, but that is such a significant development that I think people need to just be calm about the cap. I just, I don't freak out about the cap at all. Yeah. You're starting to see, I think the very, the, the first step or one of the first steps was this off season with some of the wide receiver contracts. And if you look at how they're structured, you know, lower caps early, which is typically normal, but some of those cap numbers for years, three, four, five, JC, I'm gonna kill you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, they're structured in a way where the teams can get out of them, but there's a world where those cap numbers aren't ridiculous yeah. if the cap continues to move in the direction that we think it is at the pace that we think it will. Mm -hmm. So I think that the agents have seen it. The teams are willing to do it. And we're 
we as analysts were a little surprised at how big some of those contracts came in. I think they're just, they're really preparing for what that's about to look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. JC says cap is a myth. Don't let Josh fool you with his fancy numbers and analysis. That's funny. Uh, Michael also says cap is a myth. Thanos is more real. <laughs> that's awesome. So super funny. Um, last one we'll see I'm a here. fiction writer now. That's right. <laughs> Supply and demand says y'all see that Rams mini movie. Yes, I saw the Rams mini movie. It was sick. And I didn't know what was going on for a while because the account I originally saw tweet it just said it was like a movie coming or something like that. So I was super confused. And then Aaron Donald pops in. I was like, wait, what? And then I went and I saw it was actually on the Rams account originally. I didn't see that before I watched it. So I was so confused going through it the first time. But I'm a huge Josh Holloway fan. I've watched a lot of things that he's been in. Most notably Lost is one of my favorite shows of all time. And Sawyer was my favorite character in that show. So as soon as I saw Josh Holloway in it, I guess he was playing less Sneed in it. Um, was I was like, this looks, this is awesome, but yeah. I saw. I just kept thinking to myself. I just kept thinking to myself, if they start the clock on Thursday, it's going to be running for quite a while. <laughs> true, very true. All right, Josh says first rounders. Anyone? Let's get this thing started. Matt can catch up when he gets here. Here we go. I'm going to hit you with a couple names that could be drafted in the first round. You'll react, and I can react as well. Um, with a couple names, these are players who we think have a chance, some greater than others, obviously, yep. to be drafted by the Bucks in the first round. And I just want your thoughts, because I know you've studied and watched. You're almost at 200 guys. Uh, watch for this upcoming class. It's super exciting. First real, like, going through it as evaluator, so it's really fun stuff. Um, and I saw your first-round grades, and I'd like to see them in an article at some point if we get a chance to. But, yeah, they're, they're, it's awesome. Um, and I love people and other people to see them, too. But here's one. I'll throw this one out of you. Traylon Burks. Yes. You would be pumped. Okay, this is on your love it list. Absolutely. Even though it's it. not the biggest need for the Bucs. Why do you say that? Um, I mean, it can easily become the biggest need for sure. the Bucs. The, the offense is, is driven by a, a great quarterback and, and fantastic receivers who have to win a lot. They don't get schemed open a ton. Um, and we can we have seen with the Bucs, what, two out of the last three years, wide receiver depth when we think it's really strong. A couple key injuries and all of a sudden – it's not as strong as we thought it was. And that wasn't uh, more apparent than, you know, the Rams mm -hmm. playoff game last year. So you, you have your big three, um, Evans, Godwin, and Russell Gage. And I would love to see Burke slotting in there as a number four. You, you create some packages. He can do a lot of things, um, not a lot of things on the field. So you can create some really fun packages for him as he comes along as that number four receiver. Absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah, I, it was hard for me to say I don't love this one. You know, I, I do. I just he's my wide receiver one. So to get your wide receiver one at twenty seven would be very exciting. It's not the biggest need for the team, but like you said, it could become a need very quickly. This is a team that needs to be deep at wide receiver. That's how things work. Obviously, last year would have been a disaster no matter how deep they were, just because of how many people they lost and the caliber of players you lost. You're not replacing an AB and a Chris Godwin, but can you raise that talent level with a cheap cost? And that's what Burks is. He would be. You know, right now they've got three guys under contract for the next couple of years at least. Burks would factor into that equation cheaply in, in place of injury, and then ultimately, like as a starter, eventually for very cheap. And there's a lot of value to that when you use wide receivers, especially as many wide receivers as the Bucs use. I mean, even when they were full strength, they would use four or five wide receivers a game. Scotty and Tyler Johnson were splitting wide receiver four snaps when everybody was healthy last year. There's a significant number of snaps in there to still be picked up and keep everybody from playing like Godwin and Evans and, and, and Gage from playing hundred percent of snaps. So Burks, we're talking about 15, 20 snaps a game, at least to make an impact um, when everybody's healthy, even still. 
That's not insignificant when you can be a home run threat and a big play guy. Yeah, and the the other thing that I I see a lot in in Bucks fandom is they talk about well we already have this guy who's our number in this case we'll say wide receiver four right mm. why wouldn't you want to raise that talent level if you can take the talent level that you currently have as your wide receiver four and make it your wide receiver five because you can find somebody better than him that's not a bad strategy that's not a bad way to go. So I absolutely love Burks. Um, he was my wide receiver one too, and actually he's number five overall on my big board. So Ooh, I wow, a little sneak peek. I love his game. Just little. how he, he wins in so many different ways mm-hmm. and from so many different alignments. I I fell in love. Yeah, absolutely. And with most players, I'll be very honest. I'm just I just say it like they honestly, it's gonna like he has to develop as a route runner, and that's yeah. where he'll reach his peak. But while that hasn't happened yet, I still think that there is a pathway for him to to be very, very good um, in, in, a, in a specific role, too. So, yes, would be excited about the Burks pick. Let's get uh, Matt Matera in here to get his thoughts on this one as well. Matt, what's up, my friend? Hello, gentlemen. It's great to be on with you. Josh Q, I think this – I first could be mistaken, time, but this, this might be the first time you and I are on <laughs> together. I think we've both been on the same show but not on at the same time, but – Yes, Nonetheless, sir. it's awesome to be on this podcast here with you. Uh, Traylon Burks, getting right into it. I am a big fan of Traylon Burks. So I'm not sure if are, – are we just talking about can we see the box picking him? No, no. I'm saying round? a name, and then you guys are reacting like with your reaction. If they, if they announce that pick and they announce that player, and then you're saying do you love it, do you live with it, or do you hate it? Matt, imagine we're in Vegas and they just made the pick and we get to be the crowd reaction. Yeah. Be like, all right, all right. Okay. 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 But again, we're saying like, we're saying again, the Bucs with the 27th pick. Yes. The Bucs with the 27th picks have selected Traylon Burks. What's your reaction? I love it. Not just because he hunts wild boar, but that's a big part (laughs) of it. Mostly because of that. Funny enough, full discretion. I did a mock draft today. Just, you know. It's all mock draft season. I'm just messing around. I did the, you know, you guys have done an awesome job, a great job with that on some of the Thursday shows recently. So, you know, I just went on PFF and did my own little, you know, three-round mock draft. Just get it going, you know. And um, I actually went with Traylon Burks in the first round. So I love that pick. I just think okay. he's got an awesome – that seems to be the the night, the night word of the night with all – but I just think he's got a great catch radius. He's – um you, he's Velcro. Like if the ball's in his area, he is going to catch it. I think he's athletically enough. I think he he gets uh, he he gets vertical. Sure. I mean, if he needs to work on his route running, I, I think that's something you can improve on. I don't think that's going to knock him down so much that it's not worth taking a chance on him. I just think he's a big time receiver, big body. Um, he's able to make some tough catches and he doesn't drop the ball. So I, I would love it if the box absolutely, absolutely. If they got him at, at 27. Yeah. yeah. Josh says those headphones, though. power headphones, Matt came in, <laughs> came in late wearing the power headphones. Yeah. I no, mean, I wear this every show. I know. <laughs> what kind of shock is this? I, it's not shocking. It's just impressive. I think that's all it yeah. is. I think they're just but, expressing their admiration for you. Yeah. The all last right. thing Thanks. I'll say about Burks, um, I, I'm sure you want to move to the next guy there, John, but, for anybody who's on the fence about him, just go watch his uh, his game against Alabama mm. last year. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. I watched. I, I walked away going, "That is incredible." And then I found out he played injured. Yeah. So and that just heightened the amount of explosiveness yeah. 
that that um, he displayed yeah. there. He reminds me so much of AJ Brown. I, I I don't do a lot of player comparisons. People who know you know know that I don't or listen a lot don't know that I don't do a ton of them unless it's obvious to me. But I mean, they didn't, neither of them were super polished route runners, but they had size, speed, athleticism, natural hands, made splash plays, made plays after the catch, big, strong, played in the slot mostly in college. Just super similar players to me, and I think could see similar outcomes too. Would be crazy to add him to this room. So yeah, I'd be ecstatic. Here's another one. Logan Hall. This is who we had in our final Bucks mock draft. Matt, you go first on this one. Logan Hall, what's your reaction? Sure, I would like. I'd be like, all right, cool. I get the pick. I understand it. The Bucks. The Bucks definitely have a need at defensive tackle because we don't know what's going on with Adam Fitzdu yet, and I don't think. While we all believe he's going to be back, I don't think it's fair to assume. Nonetheless, the Bucs have to get younger um, along the defensive line just outside of uh, Vita Vea. Um, we only got Nacho there for, I believe, another year. Will Golston is getting up there in, in age. And again, we love Will Golston. We love Sue if he comes back. But, you know, th- these are older guys. I think Hall brings a lot of versatility. I think there's a lot of... Um, things to go with him going to be he needs to refine his game surely but um overall you know i like the pick and i i wouldn't say i love it but yeah, i think there's a lot of um you know things to to build upon with him that the bucks certainly with their coaching staff can can get a good player out of yeah i'd be okay with this pick but i wouldn't love this pick this would be fine to me i think that there's potential for him to be a, a decent player in the nfl I don't think he's going to be a great player, and I could see that outcome with Burks or maybe some of these other guys that we're going to talk about tonight too. But I would live with this pick. This, you know, I could see where it would fit, and he would be part of the rotation. I think this pick would actually be better in the immediacy where he wouldn't have to play a major role, and then as the role expanded, the opportunity expanded for him to oh, you now, you know, Sue and Golson, some of these guys have moved on, and now you are the guy next to Vitavea. I'm not sure that he is that full-time impact player um, and in a larger role, I'm not sure whether he'll ever be able to be consistent enough to be dominant. So this would be okay to me, but I would not be crazy about this pick. Uh, Josh, what do you think? I'd hate it. Hate it. Okay. Hate You're it. out on it. You're uh, out on Logan 20, Hall. At 27, <laughs> I'm out. At 27, yeah. I'm out. Sure. That's you know, I think I um, we, we put in the, in the final seven round mock that ideally that's a trade back where you get them. Now mm-hmm. I start to feel a lot better about it. Because you added another asset. You added it, another pick at least to do it. Yeah. Exactly. But for you were just talking about, you know, kind of his ceiling. His ceiling is a good player. You don't ever yeah. see him being a great player. And that's not somebody I'm going to get excited about in the first round. I don't care how far back. And I know Scott's all about, you know, at, at pick 27, it's really a second round pick. And, you know, he'll, he'll say it all the way up to whatever number he needs it to be when it's still a second round pick. Um it's, I would want more upside from a first round pick. So um, if you look at Todd Bowles' defense, he can create pressure without elite talents. And if we're reaching for somebody to create pressure from that three technique, you know, pairing them with Vita Vea, I just think there's better ways to create pressure without using such a um, premium draft asset. I agree. It wouldn't be my favorite move for sure. Would love to see them at least trade back to be able to do it, but we'll see what happens. Okay, let's give another big name that goes out there, defensive tackle. Devontae Wyatt. Reaction to that one, Josh? See, now that one I like because there's definitely a bigger ceiling with Devontae Wyatt. He's already shown that he can rush the passer. He's shown an ability as a three technique. He's got a lot of strength. He can shoot the gap. He's explosive off the line. 
that's somebody where I see a much higher ceiling. Does he come with some red flags? He does come with some red flags. Um, he's 24 years old. That's really old to be coming in as a rookie. I get that. But I think he's got a pretty developed skill set and he could slot right into the line and provide immediate uh, help and long term. I still see think that he could be an above average or even a great interior defensive lineman, especially when you compare him to the talent that's coming out in recent drafts. It just seems like that. Right. There's some attrition at the talent level at, at that position. Oh, for sure. No question. Matt, what's your reaction to Devontae Wyatt? Yeah, first of all, I don't know if you guys got into this yet or not, but I think my number one thing that I would love more than anything else is just if, if the Bucks traded out of the 27th pick. But we're talking about here with, sure. with Wyatt at, as the um, as the choice here. I'm all for it. Um, I'm an above average like it, but not a love it, if that makes sense. I just think for his size, mm-hmm. the way he's able to move, I think he's got great athleticism. Um, he's able to line up as a one, as a three. If you want to get creative and we know Todd Bowles does, um, you know, he could even rush on the outside a little bit if he can. I think he's strong enough. Um, I really, for the most part, I, again, I just think if you're drafting anyone from the Georgia defense, you really can't go wrong because they were just such a dominant, you know, defense last season. So I think playing with the talent that the Bucks have along the defensive line and at outside linebacker and even, you know, working hand in hand, not hand in hand, but working if, if they if they do stunts with the with the linebackers and stuff like that. I, I think why can be a fit. He's got the size. He's got the speed. And um, I, I think he could do good things with the Bucks. Yeah, I like Wyatt on the field. This would be a love it for me, like just purely on the field. I don't even criticize off the field because I just don't know. I know the one thing he kicked the door 2019 a couple years ago. You know, everybody says he's matured since then. He started taking football seriously. Obviously, he broke out. The product on the field was awesome. It is what it is. If that's going to continue and the off the field stuff's not going to be an issue, then I'm all about this pick. I just don't know that that's the case. I hope that the Bucks have a better feel for it than I do and an accurate feel for it. I do think this is a super strong, it's about as strong as a locker room as, as it gets. And so he's coming into a great environment in which a lot of guys would hold him accountable, a lot of veterans, a lot of leaders, especially if Sue's back and Golson and Nacho, you got a lot of guys on that line, Vita too, to an extent, you know, that are going to do the right things and put right practices in place. And I think he's the kind of guy that's just going to fall in line with whatever's around him. That's the vibe I got from five minutes of conversation with him at the senior bowl where I very much liked him. Um, he was very friendly and he owned the podium at the combine too. He is, he's just a very warm, uh, happy person. I think, I don't think that there's this, this bad guy in there at all. I just think that probably some bad situations. And so that's my brief interactions with them, obviously over two different events, the box hopefully have more of a stronger takeaway from uh, their time with them. So I, I lean towards saying I love it if this is the pick, but I don't know that it's likely given some of what we're hearing out there. And I don't even know all the specifics of some of the unreported situations on him. And hopefully teams do and they're able to make a smarter decision than I can. This is one of the frustrating parts of draft analysis. Just, yeah. You have to accept that there are some things you just do not know about these players. And so from what I know, I love the pick. I think he's a perfect fit, but there's some of what I don't know. And he is 24, like you said, that's, they're pretty late age to break out, and he does need to develop more as a pass rusher. And he is a little bit older for to need some development. So there, it doesn't come without red flags. But in this draft, at twenty seven, perfect fit. I don't know. Be hard for me to to be upset about that pick if it is indeed Devontae Wyatt. All right, rolling through Lewis Seen. This is another one that seems pretty likely. Lewis Seen. Thoughts on this one, Matt? This one's tougher because I like him as a player. 
I'm going to say I like. like. Like, again, if they drafted him, I wouldn't overall just be Matt like, stop. Like. Yeah, right. No, he's saying You're he right. lives with it. He said, this isn't his live yeah. with it category. He lives I love Traylon. I, lo- I love I Traylon Burks. You love Burks. Um, you live with it for Hall. You, you're closer to loving I, it for Wyatt, right? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, I was loving it. Closer to loving it with Wyatt. Yeah, I got to stop hedging. I always say, "Ain't no such." Well, I don't say it, but I've said it on the podcast before. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live with, uh, with scene here again. I, I just think if you look at the, the Bucks situation with the with safety, they obviously brought in Keanu Neal and and Logan Ryan. Man, if they draft Logan Hall, I'm gonna get Logan Ryan and Logan Hall confused. So ma- not confused, but I'm gonna switch their names up so many times. But Somebody anyway, wrote it wrong in an article the other day when I was editing. Somebody <laughs> wrote Logan Ryan. I forget who it was, but so then all right, so you have the two safeties there. You have Mike Edwards on a contract year. So yeah, it makes total sense if you were to bring him in, know that you're gonna have him for the next four, five years, probably, and you line him up next to uh Antoine Winfield Jr. It makes total sense. So I like it. In that aspect, but again, when you bring in those safeties already, it's like, well, we it's another position. That's why I like it and don't love it. But I think he's a great player, and I think uh, you know he brings a lot to the game that there is to get excited about. Yeah, it's true. Uh, there's a lot to like with him. Uh, what do you think, Josh? I would love this one. So, um, I do. I I think you you're matching a high ceiling player um, with a. a, a need and Matt did a great job of kind of highlighting what the need is for the Bucks. Not so much necessarily this year, but looking beyond this year. And there would still be a role for him this year. Mm-hmm. So I really like that pick. Um, you know, at 27, I, I want to see some ceiling potential on on a player that we would take. Or I'm sorry, that the Bucks would take. And I think scene definitely has that potential. Um, and then you also think about, you know, the important areas of the team secondary is definitely important so if you continue to add to your secondary it's usually going to pay off for you in the long run so i really do like that scene pick there yeah i like this one too i think his potential is just through the roof he's smart he's athletic he's intelligent he's physical in the football field he's the right mentality he plays the right way there's just a lot to build on he's already good and i think he can just continue to get better and his role can continue to grow so i'd be in on this pick uh it's a risk because he doesn't do everything really well right now and if you were going to take another safety, you already have a couple options on the roster. So maybe it's not your biggest need. But, yeah, I, I do think that he's a really good player, as Michael says here. Um, and there's a lot of value just to taking a, real, a good player at that pick when there probably aren't that many left on the board, to be honest. So Walker had a really good point right before there, the, the comment you had before that last one. This is a good safety class. I, I really enjoyed watching a lot of these guys. And to, to his point in terms of you can get one later, well, that's pretty talented. You're absolutely right. I don't think any of them have the ceiling that that scene has, but mm-hmm. it is a good deep safety class. And yeah, speaking sure. of the safety class, uh, the safety previews and Bucks best bets just came out today. Um, and of course, all of these and a great job. Very well done. And um, all of these Bucks best bets, that's tough to say, and the previews have all been brought to you by Beef O'Brady's, the sponsor of our three-day draft show starting on Thursday and going all the way to Saturday. You want beefy? Nobody outbeefs beefs. 
Try the O'Brady Burger, made with premium Angus, perfectly seasoned and topped with melted provolone. It's an all-star, just like that other Brady in town. And if you're tailgating, you might want to pile on Beef's award-winning wings, too. Traditional or boneless in whatever sauce or dry rub you crave. Dine-in, to-go, or even catering. Play it your way. See you at Beef's. You want commercial oh there we go i thought i was gonna play the video again bucks fans <laughs> if you haven't been to beef o'brady's yet you gotta go now there are over there are 45 locations in the tampa area so there is one that is not far away from your living residence you just saw the burger on screen you see it on screen right now you heard them talking about mm. the wings they got great food absolutely great food a huge beer selection so a ton of different choices that you can go with there and probably most important of all, especially for me, I'm going out to eat, uh, whether it's just for dinner or maybe there's a big game on, I need TVs because normally I have interest in a lot of different things because I'm betting a couple games or whatever it may be. So I need multiple TVs, but it's a perfect spot because they got a ton of that. And for your draft party, you know you're going to get the food, you're going to get the visual experience. They got the big TVs. They got the little one. If you move around and and you know do what you need to do which, while you're at the bar, but you know with Beef O'Brady's, you're getting good food, good sports, and just an overall fantastic time. So make sure you check out a Beef O'Brady's. Just go uh, to their website, Google it, whatever you need to do, because there's 45 locations in the Tampa area. So that means that there's one near you. Beef O'Brady's, the proud sponsor of the Report Draft Show. From Thursday to Saturday. Yes, indeed. Great stuff from our friends over at Beefs. All right, let's keep rolling with this. We've got uh, – okay, I'm going to go curveball. I'm not going to go with the pet player. I was gonna, Let's go Kair Elam, the Florida corner. Thoughts on this one? This is Scott's worst nightmare. Scott is so out on Kair Elam. <laughs> Thoughts on this one, Josh? What do you think? Um, I could live with it. Again, you know um, – I think they the bolstering the secondary is a great uh, strategy to go with, and Kyrie Elam certainly has a lot of talent. You know, in coverage, he's sticky. He can play man. He can play zone. He's got the length. I think he can play you know a very good outside role. Um, to Scott's point, I will make sure I make it for him. Um, he does not get his head into the run game very much. He does not like to stick in there and really blow up a play, or even just try and get physical to reroute a play back inside. Um, so that's certainly something that Scott's very, very passionate about. Yeah, I, I want a corner that's willing to tackle as well, so that's certainly a knock against him. Um, but I can live with it just in terms of the strategy. I think that there will probably be some other corners in that range or are available at that range that I would like better. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this pick, but I would say I'll put it in the live with the category. I think Elam is good. Um, he has potential to be better probably than he was, but the penalties concern me. I'm not as worried as Scott was about the tackling and run defense. I think that, you know, for corners, their willingness and space is more important than how much they stick their nose in the pile and help out on gang tackles. Like we've seen plenty of great corners that didn't do that. So I'm not necessarily as worried about that as some of y'all, but I. I will say I wish he found the ball better in the air down the field. He just doesn't do that high level yet. There's a lot of similarities between him and Carlton Davis, to be honest, not necessarily in how they look. I don't I haven't checked their body types. Davis is a little bit taller, I believe. 
um, and, and maybe a little bit longer. Elam's pretty long, and he's pretty thick, too, for a corner. Um, I just – did both of them struggled to find the ball in the air down the field. Both of them committed too many penalties probably. Uh, and Davis actually gets a bad whistle, I think, in the NFL. But either way, I think those were two big concerns with them that they had to overcome. Davis is a student of the game like crazy. The Florida coaches say good things about Kyrie Elam as well. So maybe it's in the cards for him to become Carlton Davis. I would counter with saying that most players with Davis's limitations or weaknesses in college don't become a top paid corner in the NFL. Carlton Davis is about the best iteration of his college skill set manifesting itself at its best in the NFL. And then that typically happens with a player with his skill set, in my opinion, based on years of kind of scouting and doing this. I do think ball skills can be developed in the NFL. I'm not as much sure about some of the the lapses that he has just in terms of his movement and transitions when he's in coverage. I think some of that stuff is a challenge for him. He does compete and he does have this like late speed that catches you because you don't, he doesn't move super explosive like Kyler Gordon, for example, who's super explosive in like all his movements. But Lelam, you look up and he doesn't seem like he's going that fast. And all of a sudden he's just kind of increasing speed down the field and he can make some plays when he does get his head around it and look pretty good. So I would live with this pick, um, especially because he has a year before he gets thrown to the fire probably, but it wouldn't be something I'm like crazy about. What do you think, Matt? I'm a no on this one. I, I would put mm-hmm. this in the don't like category. I just, Gators I don't think triggered. you, I, I, I certainly, I, I don't really mind the Gators. Um, I don't, I don't think he's a terrible player by any means. He's obviously like going to be a first or second round talent. Um, there's certain things to like about him uh, as a cover corner, but for me, it's all about the physicality and um, the the lack of willingness to tackling is is obviously that that for me that that stands out. I think the Bucks already have guys that aren't the best tacklers with Carlton Davis and Mike Edwards, and we've seen them. We've seen that hurt them a, a little bit. Uh, at, at times, maybe not lose games for them necessarily, but I definitely do think that's an area where the Bucks don't necessarily need to go and mm-hmm. pick another guy with the with the mm-hmm. same issues. Um, I'm not against the Bucks picking a corner at some point in the draft, but I think they can get one in a later round, maybe even the middle rounds, where they can still fill that need where it's not immediate for this year because you have Carlton back and you still have Jamel Dean and we'll see what happens with, with Sean Murphy punting. Um, but it, yeah, it's the lack of physicality that I'm not uh, a huge fan of for, for the Bucks specifically what they like to do on defense. All right, here we go. Zion Johnson. Yes. Go about it, Josh. Absolutely. Number one on my board. <laughs> Number one overall player in the draft. <laughs> Number one, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Okay, you love. He's high for me, dude. dude. Very high for me. You he's love com- him, man. He's complete. He's the one guy in this entire draft where I feel like you draft him, you plug him in as a starter, and you don't worry. Yeah. There, there's just so few red tat red flags on his tape. Yeah. And the guys, he's he's sound, and he's. I think he's scheme independent. So I think every team in the league would be looking at him and saying he can, you know, he can immediately contribute in whatever. Uh, scheme we run Uh, he's strong he's quick he can move he can get to the second level and the dude's just complete i love it absolutely if he's there at 27 what i believe the same please sprint the card (laughs) i watched three or four games of him and i did not see like almost no like bad reps now there's a couple i've seen people say oh in this game he fell off a couple blocks 
I think people need to watch again. There was a couple twists that he and his and his lineman at the tackle were not on the same page in terms of passing them off. It's hard to tell what those things like who's at fault per se, but I definitely think there was one where I felt like he got kind of ear holed from the side by yeah. the defender and his and his his teammate didn't really pass it off very well um, with him. And then there's another one where the running back knocks him off a block and he gives up a pressure. There's another one where the center steps on his foot, I think. But there, like people were like, "Oh, this game he got he gave up like two or three pressures." Now, nah, like if you look at the context, like he didn't actually get beat on like any of those reps. Like I forget what game it is now, but I don't know. His tape is dominant. The conference is bad, sure. Like I get it, but I look, it's Power Five. We got to take who. Like if we can't put our faith in something, we're not just gonna give SEC players like the the conference thumbs up. You know, we we got. I know the ACC's down. It's terrible. There's not a lot of good interior pass rushers. It's like this guy manhandled everybody who came across his plate. I mean, this was, his tape is dominant. If you can add him as a natural position, there's no question about moving positions with him at left guard. Now I know that's not the greatest value. So when you're looking at it that way, in terms of like what they, like he is not going to contribute to winning in my opinion, as greatly as another player could even a a Burks. And because the play above replacement at guard is just easier to, you know, it's it's more, there's more parity between an Aaron Stinney and a and a, um and a um, Zion Johnson than there is between a, a Scotty Miller even who couldn't get on the field last year or a Brashad Perryman and a Traylon Burks like they're yeah. just it's just a massive difference in in that in terms of what they do when they have the ball in their hands you can get by with an average guard easier than you can average wide receivers now obviously they have tons of other talent receiver we see if an injury happens but that would be my rationale there but just in a vacuum the player I think he's one of the best players in the class if you can get that at 27 it's hard to and, and to to that point you were talking about in terms of passing off stunts and twits i watched the wake forest game and he was doing that easy i mean yeah. they, they were throwing a bunch of those at him he was picking them up he was passing them off they weren't given an inch right. so he definitely can do that and i was actually going to say he's really smart like he, yeah. he's oh, a yeah. smart player as well he, Interviews, he brings yeah. all the athleticism he pairs it with the brains I think he would be a great addition to the Bucks line. Do the Bucks line need him that much? To your point, probably not as much as some of the other positions, but boy, would I absolutely love him on the yeah. Bucks. Right. Right. And and that's why it's a no for me. And it has nothing oh. to do with it has nothing to do with Zion okay. as a player. I think he's a good player. He's got all the, the tools and intangibles that you guys have all mentioned. But again, for me, it comes down to the Bucks are one of the best teams at finding talent. On the offensive line, it's either an unethical guy or a small school guy. I mean, you go across the board now. A lot of these examples are like Ali Marpet and Alex Kappa that are no longer there. But in terms of finding talent where I don't expect to see it, like almost no better, no team is better at that than the Bucks on the offensive line. And they already secured all the problems. Well, they plan to secure all the problems from losing Ali Marpet and Kappa. That's why they traded for Shaq Mason. He'll be in there at right guard. And as Joe Gilbert was talking about, there's going to be great competition for the left guard spot with Aaron Stinney, with Nick Leverett, and with Robert Hainsey, whatever way you want to chart that um, going into the the competition Mm -hmm. for this year. And I think also, too, and again, it has nothing to do with Zion, but um, you've seen Aaron Stinney play as a starter and win a Super Bowl with this team. So I just think that that the Bucs can address other areas when you have a couple of guys in-house that they probably already feel pretty good about. Yeah, noted. Aaron Stinney, yeah. truther. <laughs> no, I think you. I think you honestly have a good point. Like it is a good point. It's a good way to look at it. It's the way that the team should look at it. Uh, to be honest, I am clouded by my love of Zion. It just this is where I am. Kenyon no Green. Kenyon Green. 
So we know Matt's answer. Matt's already given. Don't take a guard. Yeah. That's Matt's stance. <laughs> Fair and agreed. I also don't think Kenyon Green is ready right now. Like the testing wasn't good enough for me, and I don't care about that too much with that with linemen. But here's the reality: if you're taking one in the first round and it's not a huge need for you, I don't. I want to make sure that this is a guy that I feel I can't miss. And Zion to me is that guy. Kenyon Green is not that guy to me. The technical lapses are too great. There, I think there are great physical traits with him. He can play a lot of different positions. He does get by. He is very nimble. Like I don't care what his test and said to be honest in a lot of ways because he looks like a, a fine functional athlete on tape but his body needs work his technique needs work those will take time to develop i don't want to do that at a position that i don't really need that isn't going to get on the field right away if he can't beat out standing and i'm not convinced he could beat out one of those guys zion would beat out those guys i'm not convinced green does that year one eventually absolutely i think he's going to do that absolutely but i'm looking more short term at that position if i'm going to draft it I, I, I'm out on green as well. Yeah, I'd be out even, on him. You don't even like him. <laughs> I, I'd be out on him on, on 27. Yeah. I'd be out on him at 60 as well. There you go. Good. All right. <laughs> so, okay. You know, Done. He, his strength is in the run green. He, yeah. he is a mauler. He absolutely, yeah. I'll give him that. But he seems. But to he'll swing pre- and miss too. <laughs> he will. And he seems to prefer playing forward. For his size, I was surprised at a lack, lack of anchor in, in the pass yeah. game. Just, this is with his hands. He gives up his chest all the time. Yep. And he has trouble picking up blitzes too. So um, for all those reasons, I know everybody's talking about, you know, we got to protect Brady. And, and, I, and I agree, we should protect Brady. And that's why I think we should not draft Kenny Green. Because he will not do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not in 2022 anyway. That's the yeah, name of the game. Yeah. John Ward's $5 Super Chat. John, thank you. We appreciate this. We scout the name. Thanks, no John. way Garrett Wilson is a first round wide receiver. That name should be for a sixth round, six year senior from the Mac. <laughs> That's great. I love name scouting, man. That's why Smoke Monday. Like, yeah. I have him on my board of players to watch, try, hopefully, before Thursday's draft, just because he's a great name. That's, that's all there is to it. But, he's yeah. a fun watch, too. Yeah. And by the way, that's funny because Garrett Wilson, that's just, yeah, that's a, you know, that's just not a good first round name. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. It's, it's no Cole one. Strange. Yeah, right. Cole Strange, something <laughs> like that. Uh, Wyatt is about to turn, or just turned 24, I believe, by the way. Um, appreciate the facial air shout-out from the play reaction. Yeah, this is about 12 days for me. So this is getting pretty long for me. And, Matt, you've wow. obviously got an immaculate mustache back in the game with the mustache. Thank you, yeah. I was. Uh, Gosh, I, I had to get it weird. I had to get it done uh, before last weekend. So, yeah, this is – recently professionally done so. right this looks very professionally done all right let's uh jump in on here's one i know fans want to hear andrew ebikite this is a penn state edge mm. rusher that does not get talked about a lot as an option of 27 i don't think he's going to be drafted at 27 but i just know fans mention him all the time and i'm just curious if there are any thoughts about ebikite i'd be out on it at 27 okay. trade back scenario I, I, i'd be more in on it um, okay. I, I like him. I think he's got some talent. Um, I don't know how much he'd be able to contribute year one, even in a rotational um, role. And, uh, you know, to kind of Matt's point in, in, when he was talking about the guard position, if it's Ebikiti at 27, I think there's probably some other places we can go or they can go and get better value uh, and then still get some really good uh, edge rushers that should be available later. So um, somebody like a, uh, a Drake Jackson, that would be somebody I'd want to target a little bit later in the mm-hmm. second. I think okay. he potentially could be there at 60. Uh, and then you, you find something else at 27. Yeah, I would be okay with this. I would live with this. This is high for me for him. 
I like pass rushers and I think he can play right away. So those are benefits, but he's not going to play inside right away. And I'm not sure if he like where he gets to as a full-time player eventually. So you've just got a couple years of other players that are going to be ahead of him and he will be a third guy. And maybe you move JTS around and that works for you. But at 27, I don't know, maybe I would be out on this one. I, I like him though. I don't dislike the player. I just think that there would be better options yeah. here. I um I like it. I think like I could I can live with it. I I think um you know he's in high. The, the issue is of course like because they just drafted Joe Tryanchenko and it's like all right well we want to spread his wings and fly and be that every down player and you got Shaq on the other side. I like it in terms of you know he's a very high energy guy with a lot of talent and I still think there's a lot of more room for improvement uh, with the player. But I think if you look at it in terms of Anthony Nelson is here for one more year and you don't have a, a, a fourth edge rusher. I mean, again, I've said this, I'll say that I, I'll keep saying this. I like Cam, the thrill Gill, but he's not going to get penciled in as the, the fourth edge rusher. And he's clearly not big enough to be a, a player that you can rely on. So I just think with the energy that, um, that he brings and 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 the talent that seen and the the room that he has to grow, I find it very interesting. So I can live with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's there's a couple as we get into this range that I'm just very I'm very much not a fan of. And one of those for me is Travis Jones. I've thought about this one all draft process, and I'm just like. I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm, I'm out on him. Like I, at 27, I'm out on him. I think he's a fine player. I just don't get it on the box. He doesn't bring anything they don't already have. And I'm not sure he brings anything that they don't can't find somewhere else. I like him. I think he's, he'll help a team. He'll be a good player for a team. He's a good solid player. I don't think I see a sky high ceiling for him though. And the, but he's just not what the bucks need. It's just, it's just not a fit. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's just not a fit to me. Yeah. I, I, I'd be the same. I, I'd be out on him. <laughs> yeah. If, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I, I thought I thought you were uh, just making a quick comment, but yeah, I was just gonna say again, the the Bucks are looking for more of a a speed rusher type of guy, and he's big. He wants to use you know his physicality. Uh, mm. I don't know how much pass rushing they're really gonna get out of him. It doesn't mean yeah. he'll be a bad player, but I don't like it for the Bucks. Pretty much what John said. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was watching him earlier today, and it just seemed like. He leans into what he does well. Like he 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 really enjoys stuff in the run. He'll two gap. You know, he really likes clogging the lanes. But then when he was given pass rush opportunities and he knew he could get after the the quarterback, it just seemed like he didn't want to put the gas on. He was content mm. with just kind of pushing his man back a little bit. You know, pushing the pocket a little bit. But he didn't seem to really want to get home. And that's what it seems like the Bucks want in their next interior defensive lineman. Somebody who can help the team get home and get home himself. Josh, you mentioned lanes real quick for a second. Um, so I want to talk to you about the best lanes in Tampa. And that is pin chasers, another sponsor, the Peter report podcast, uh, pin chasers, their owner, Anthony Peroni is a huge box fan. He has season tickets. So if you go to pin chasers, you're going to be supporting a fellow box fan. And it's not just about the bowling. It's a great experience as well. Their food is extremely underrated. They'll bring it right to you, which I think is a luxury that you don't get at like every single bowling alley where like a lot of times you have to go and get up. No, the waiters and waitresses come right to you. But even better than that is that they have deals like literally every single night. I'm talking all you can eat pizzas, all you can bowl, 
$1 Miller Lights. They have different events. So if you just go to pinchasers.net, you can look that up. They got it Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday as well, too. Uh, so you won't be disappointed there. Uh, you can book uh, lanes for a night out with friends and family. You can book your kid's uh, birthday party if you want to have it there. They have an arcade area as well. So, you know, kids are always running around a, a mile a minute. From what I've been told, I don't have kids. Uh, they do. So if they don't want to bowl the whole time, they can go and play at the arcade. Uh, so there's a lot of fun things to do. And there's multiple locations as well, as you can see on the screen here. So make sure you go to Vin. Uh, yeah, sorry. Make sure you go to pinchasers.net and you won't be disappointed. Book a lane, book a party, do something. You'll have a good time. That is pinchasers.net. All right, let's sneak a couple more in before we wrap up this show, okay? Uh, Dax Hill from Michigan. Mostly played in the slot, has played some safety before. A lot of man coverage in Michigan. Thoughts on this one, Josh? What do you think about Dax Hill? I'd be in on this one. So I've been pretty consistent in terms of, of liking the strategy of, of bolstering the secondary. Um, I think Dax, he hasn't been given a lot of opportunities to play at high or play in the box. He has mostly been in, in the slot. But in the few reps he's been given, he's shown really well. Um, so I think that he potentially could be a do-it-all safety. And I think his addition could potentially unlock more of Antoine Winfield Jr. So it's one of those picks that you get a really good player, but you're also elevating the play of the guys around him just in terms of how he could potentially be used. He may need some development, but you've got the, sec the safety group in play right now that would allow him to develop over year one and still be an impact player. Also helps give you depth at slot. Um, and so I would, I would really like that, that, uh, pick I, I'd be all in on that. I'd love that one. What do you think, Matt? For, for me, it's a no, just because in terms of drafting safeties in the first round, I'm kind of just seen or bust and I was only, uh, like it or live with it with him. So if, if I go with that, where you guys were in love with him, I can't upgrade that with, uh, with Hill. And it, it goes back to what I was saying about, you already brought in a couple of safeties and mm. you still have Mike Edwards there. And I understand that they're most of them are in a contract year, but you're not going to have the luxury of every position where you can draft the guy and, and mold him for one season and then come in and be the starter. Sure. I think the bucks are going to do that at a couple of other different positions. And we've already seen them do that with the other positions already. So I just think uh, with some of the other safeties that are available in this year's draft, I don't know if you have to spend a first round pick on it. I, I yeah. have to ask, because you said seen or bust. So Kyle Hamilton on a fall, would you be out on that one? Well, in, like, there's no way he's going to 27. A fall to 27. That would be epic. I'd be Aaron Rodgers. Okay, fine. <laughs> even if he, okay, if Kyle Hamilton goes to 27, even though he played at Notre Dame, I would like it if the Bucs right. drafted him. <laughs> so there you go. Well said. He was just already like out of my rear view mirror because there's no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get, I get. <laughs> this is funny. Somebody asked actually up here. Let's 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 get to this one and then we'll do we'll do the last couple real quick. Somebody just asked if there were let's try to find the question, but if there were somebody like a surprise crazy free faller, and they mentioned Devin Lloyd, and 
This is interesting because JC texted us last night. He was like, what if Devin Lloyd's there at 27? This is a new phenomenon that's happening right now in mock drafts. And I have not seen anybody say, oh, his, his stock's falling. Right. But this is just, he's just showing up later and later in mocks for whatever reason right now. Maybe just everybody's making the same shift on a couple other linebacker needy teams. And because of that, he falls down the board. There's just no way, in my opinion, he gets to 27 teams would be absolutely drunk. I think Devin Lloyd is awesome, and there's very few players in this class that I would consider awesome. I know linebacker isn't the greatest position of value. Let's just say hypothetical, though, to appease JC's scenario here. And I was in another mock today where I was on the radio, and I just had to jump on and make a pick and look at a spreadsheet real quick. And I was like, Devin Lloyd's still on the board again. Like this is, That was the second one I've done in the last couple of days where he was still on the board. I was like, you guys are freaks. Like, what in the world's going on here? But if he is on the board at 27, although you clearly there's no path to playing – well, shouldn't say there's no path. Injury is the path to playing time this year with the way the Bucs used their linebackers. Or maybe you get him in there for David on occasion, or maybe he's a sub-package rusher. He rushes off the edge for Utah at times, I mean, and he's good at it. So I think they could still find some snaps for him, to be honest. He might add to the pass rush packages. I might. I think I would love this pick if they took him just because I think he's one of the better players in the draft, and there's not a lot of those players. So – I'd be all in on this pick if it happened. What do you think, Josh? I, I'm going to set the world on fire with this one. I'd be all in because then they wouldn't have to pick up Devin White's fifth-year option. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. The best linebacker named Devin on the Bucks. <laughs> there you go. Oh! Absolutely. 100%. This is going to get clipped, and Devin White's going to get tagged in it, and then he's going to show oh, up on, God, on a horse at your house. Guy, guy, guy has one bad year, and you're ready to jump ship on him. One. <laughs> one he does he does one thing pretty well and it's not the thing that he's really responsible for i mean he's the jamal adams of linebackers he killed him he He really is as a jets fan matt matt enjoys that one matt Hey, Jamal Adams got us a ton of great picks. Yeah, Jets fans are loving Jamal Adams. Right? Yeah. So, no, um, I mean, Lloyd is one of 10 guys that, you know, the, the top yeah. of the top, right, for me. Right. Um, and they so, would still pick up Lloyd or White's um, option, by the way. We, we've already reported that, and that's yeah, will happen in yeah. the next couple of days. But um, Devontae David's entering a contract here, and yeah. he will be 33 when next season starts. He'll be 33 in January. It's just there's not a lot of linebackers, or really any – for the most part, I think that I can think of that off ball linebackers that keep playing at a high level at that age. Like he's yeah. going to go down and he's probably going to decline some mm-hmm. this season. And that should be a level of expectation for that with, with Bucks fans just in general, there kind of was last year, although he's kind of banged up. So I don't know if it can much account of, but that could be part of it too. So I think it is important to start preparing for that. I hope they don't have delusions that KJ Brett's that guy. Like he yeah. and, ain't that and, guy. So, and Devin Lloyd displays the hardest trait for a linebacker, which is he's instinctive in coverage. He, he understands yes. his position in space. He understands zone awareness. And that's really hard to find at that position. So if you have an opportunity to take it, you, you go for it. That's funny. Supply you know, and demand says that's funny. the best description of Devin White I've ever heard. <laughs> when you brought up this hypothetical, I was leaning towards no. But then the more you were talking about it and the more I had a chance to think on, like it's almost it, – it's not a direct – line of uh similarity but you know it's almost kind of like when they picked joe tryon Choyinka last year and it's like all right well you got Shaq mm-hmm. and you got jpp in there but now you got joe tryon Choyinka. and i think you make a great point about levante's in his last year and he's up there in age 
Levante missed a significant amount of time last year. And yeah. obviously I understand like a lot of injuries are, are freak things and you, you can't just expect that to happen like every single time. But yeah, eventually the Bucks are going to have to look at the future at the linebacker position, which is extremely important, important in general in football. But I think specifically to uh, Tampa Bay's defense. And yeah, there's been a lot of times where Levante has picked up the pieces where Devin White has struggled. So Sure. I mean, if he falls that far, then yeah, go for it. You yeah. gotta, you gotta. Oh yeah, build take it. I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. And you're ready for the future. Lenny Williams says not nah, that J.C. Allen shit. <laughs> 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 wow, you comped him to Jamal Adams, and you got comped to J.C. Allen. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know who wins that one. <laughs> and and the funny parallel is Devin and Devin, and then I'm Josh, and he's Josh too. So. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, Devin Lloyd. Let's wrap this thing up real quick. Uh, last two. Let's go rapid fire. Just like one sentence. Trey McBride, if it happens at 27. Matt. I like it. They got to need a tight end. He's the best tight end, uh, you know, in the whole group. So I like it. I think it's a little early, but I, I think uh, he yeah. definitely is a fit for the team. I prefer Trey down, but he's a high floor player with a, that's a good fit for the team. So I live with it. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'd live with it. Yep. Okay, so we're all in agreement there. Wouldn't be our first pick. We'd love to trade down, but we'll live with it. Uh, last one, I'll do, unless somebody has a suggestion last second that, that's realistic. David Ajabo, Torres Achilles. Obviously, we believe he would have been on the Bucks radar for sure if he was even available or going to be there at 27. Now it looks like he could fall out of the first. He just tore his Achilles recently, about a month ago, at uh, the Michigan Pro Day. Would you take him at 27 if you were there, Josh? Uh, if this were 2020 and I knew I had Brady for more than one year, yes, uh, given the circumstances with the team being all in, if I'm a decision maker there, I'm, I'm going for somebody who can impact this year. So um, I probably hate it. Yeah, I hate it as well. I do not take a player with a torn Achilles. I'm um, sorry. I hate that it happened. I think he seems like an awesome kid. He seemed like an awesome kid at the combine. I hate that it happened. I don't want to take a player with the torn Achilles in the first round. That's, a, that's one of the few injuries that I still am not – Totally 100%. Like, I don't feel that bad about ACLs. Like, I don't, right. I don't necessarily think – I'm not that worried about him, I should say. But an Achilles is a different story. He is already a raw player, so him missing a year on the field is not going to necessarily help. Not overly raw, not totally raw, but he needs to be on the field. He needs to be playing football, Yeah, and he's that's not going to happen for the next year. So I just wouldn't want to take this risk in the first round, regardless of the Brady thing, but that adds to it, I think, as well, Josh. Matt, you agree? I agree. It's a no. I feel awful about what happened to him, but – the Bucs need players that are going to play this year, so it's just not the case with him. Yeah, I just – I couldn't stomach it this year, I think. All right. I feel like we've covered a lot of the, the possibilities of 27. I'm sure they'll draft somebody we didn't mention uh, just to screw us over. That covered a lot of our reactions to what they would be. We're just three men. We don't agree on everything. We're just three men. But there are other people in the Pewter Report staff, men and women, that would have different reactions possibly than us to these picks. But now you know how we'll feel going into the draft show this weekend. Tomorrow, we've got a lot going on. There's a 32-team mock draft, that uh, 32 pick, because there's only like 10 teams drafted in the first round this year. There's a 32 pick first round uh, mock that is dropping from your boy, uh, pewterreport.com, tomorrow morning. Or maybe tonight if Scott's like had a couple crowns and he's feeling it or a couple Celsius and he's feeling it and he's ready to get in there and do some proofing. Um, but anyway, look out for it at PeterReport.com because that mock's dropping. And it has the Bucks first-round pick, not the formal predictive pick, but this is a pick that I believe is a legitimate scenario for the Bucks as well. This isn't the formal entry for the Bucs. That's already happened. Uh, the Bucks seven-round mock draft, the final one was entered. This is just a, a first-round mock 
And I obviously do the Bucks because they're part of the first round right now. So I, I did their pick in there and then the rest of the picks as well. That'll be dropping. My big board will be dropping. It's going to be top 100, I think, uh, if I can cram over the next 24 hours. And it's going to be dropping at least by Thursday morning. Hopefully that it'll be up. Um, got to cram like 50 players. <laughs> Not 50, but I got to cram a lot of tape watching uh, in over the next 24 hours. So pray for your boy. Um, going out with a bang and then that'll be dropping Thursday morning. And then obviously the days of the draft, we will have the draft show going strong all uh, three days, all seven rounds of the draft will be live for every pick. And we're going live uh, about an hour before the draft starts each day. So trying to find the graphic for it. So you can see where it is. So you can see what I'm saying as I, uh, yeah, 28th, 29th, 30th. I thought he had a graphic with the times on it. Maybe not, but I believe it's 8 p.m. on Thursday. The draft starts at 8 p.m., so we'll be live at 7 p.m. on Thursday. We'll preview the draft, preview the picks, everything we're hearing. We'll get it all out there, talk about the other NFC South options and what could be in play at the top of the draft, and then we will do. We will be with you through the entire first round. Same thing the next day, second and third rounds uh, on uh, on Friday uh, Friday night, and uh, we'll be live about an hour before that starts, so about 6 p.m., and then uh, same thing Saturday, all through the rounds four, five, six, seven, even into the to the last picks of the draft. We'll be letting you know about all those players, keeping you informed and keeping you know, the Bucks have the second to last pick in the draft right now. So uh, hopefully you're with us all the way up until the end. Uh, last year they had the last pick. So we, hopefully we keep you all the whole entire show uh, to see who those picks are going to be because it's going to be a lot of fun. And the whole PR crew is going to be there too. A lot of us are going to be, everybody's going to be on the show at some point. And so we're super excited about that. Um, do appreciate all the kind words from everybody and everybody who watched the show yesterday and saw uh, my announcement and everything. I appreciate everybody. If you haven't seen that, go back, check that out. It kind of gives you an idea of what's next uh, for the Ledyard family. Uh, and I do appreciate everybody's kind words on here, uh, on the comments that I've seen on YouTube and on the t- on Twitter. Uh, it's just been incredibly emotional. And I, I honestly have read every single one. I wish I could reply to them all. I'm grinding the tape like crazy, trying to get as ready as I can for this last draft show so we can close it out strong. Really want to close it out strong. And so just trying to get as prepped up as I can and write as much as I can. But it means a lot to all of us, to be honest. We really, really appreciate it. And mostly I'll appreciate everybody who continues to support Peter Report TV and continues to support the channel. And as new additions come in and as you have to wait for some new additions potentially down the road and as you're patient during segues and all of that stuff, and you, you just keep supporting this awesome team and this uh, product at Peter Report TV as we continue to make it better and better. And I will be helping behind the scenes to do as much as I can, obviously, but all, the, the crew has done uh, a great job and the transitions I know I've already been and will continue to be super smooth. So definitely appreciate all of you and appreciate the Peter Report team as well uh, for rocking this thing out for sure. So tomorrow we'll be back 7.30 p.m. Eastern, guys. Uh, we'll be back on the show. I don't know who's going to be on yet tomorrow. So. It, just tune in. It'll be a surprise. Um, and we'll be talking more Bucks in first round draft 2022. And then the next time after that, you'll see us is for the live draft show. So been a long time coming. We're tired of waiting, but we got to do it a couple more days. So we appreciate y'all. Thank everybody for tuning in. And we appreciate y'all. We'll uh, catch you again tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Keep Out. subscribing. Good night. Out.